Welcome inside of Victory Week episode of the Gin Jag Podcast. That's right, the Jaguars took down the Colts and now sit atop the AFC South standings. I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by Jeremy Markoski. Jeremy, I've got to tell you, it feels great to tell you just how wrong you were about this one. <laughs> and I can't agree more, man. It, uh, it's never felt better to be wrong. That Sunday was just one of the best Sundays that I can remember uh, dating back to last year, obviously. It's been a lot of time without football. But uh, yeah, like I told you before, man, I have never been happier to be wrong in my life. I've never been more ecstatic to have someone tell me I was wrong about something. Well, I'm happy to provide you with that here today. And so, yeah, the Jaguars, they won 27-20, as you all know, against the Colts on Sunday, week one of the NFL season. They were heavy underdogs, but they got the job done. I predicted them to win 27-24, so they played even a little bit better than I expected. Um, Got the job done. Obviously, I got the score prediction right. I also got my C.J. Henderson interception prediction correct. Happy about that. And um, missed out on the DJ Chark two touchdowns and 100 plus yards, but that's all good. I think we'll take it. We'll take the victory any way we can get it, man. I mean, a week one victory over a Colts team, a divisional rival, just getting the season off on the right foot. I mean, it's fantastic. You couldn't ask for more from this team. No doubt about it. Uh, so we're not going to do a exact recap of the game since you probably have already watched it or at least uh gone through a recap somewhere else at this point since it's Tuesday. If you haven't gotten a full game recap, you can check out jenjag.com. Uh we did a full game recap right after the game ended on Sunday, so you can check that out. But instead today here we're going to look at some standout performers, some big plays from the game, and just some overall thoughts on the performance. And we'll also take a look at where the Jaguars can improve a bit moving forward. Uh, This show and all of our shows moving forward, as they used to be, are presented by Bold City Brewery. Be sure to check them out in Riverside on Roselle or downtown on East Bay Street. You can also pick up their brews at your uh, area grocery store or gas station. So thanks again to Bold City Brewery. All right, Jeremy, let's get into it. Standout performers. Do you want to lead the way here? Hey, man, I'd be more than happy to. My standout performer and probably the standout performer of the game, but we'll start here on offense, is Gardner Minshew. If you guys looked at my uh, takeaways from week one, um, I'm very, very excited uh, about what I saw. You saw a true franchise quarterback play on Sunday. And now when I say that, Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. He didn't put up godly numbers. You know, he didn't throw for 300, you know, plus yards and, and go off statistically, but he did exactly what he needed to do to win the ball game. And from a, a young quarterback's standpoint, the most important thing you can do is hold on to the ball. Don't give the other team short fields, and quick opportunities to score. Because then your defense gets behind, they're on the field a lot, they get tired, you get behind as an offense, the playbook starts to shrink. So that's the most important thing uh, for a young quarterback. And you've kind of seen the last 10 years or so, uh, the Jaguars not have the ability to control the ball on offense. Lots of turnovers, lots of sloppy play, but you didn't see that on Sunday from Gardner Minshew. One incompletion, 
three touchdowns, 173 yards, and just full control of the offense up and down the field. Made plays when he needed to make plays, didn't force anything, made great decisions from what I can see. You know, to be honest with you, I don't even remember the incompletion. It was just everything was going so well. You know, I don't even remember where that incompletion came from, but it seems like every time he dropped back to pass, he looked poised in the pocket. He made the bright reads, found the open man, and was efficient all day long. And, you know, coupling with a surprising, uh, surprisingly effective run game from James Robinson early really kind of showed what you can do when you stay ahead of the sticks, make smart decisions, and don't shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, no doubt about it. It was a masterful performance. Uh, Minshew has been nominated for the AFC Offensive Player of the Week, so you like to see that. Only player to complete 95% of his passes, throw three touchdowns, and zero interceptions in NFL history. Like you said, 19 of 20 on the day with those three touchdown passes. Uh, The one in completion was LaVisca Chenault over the middle. Kenny Moore came in and made a good deflection, uh, made it very difficult for LaVisca to try to bring that in. But... uh, Minshew played about as well as you possibly could. I think there might have been a couple plays where he held onto the ball too long, which led to sacks. We can talk about that a little bit later because right now we're talking about those standout performances, and he certainly had one. Moving on, let's switch sides of the ball for um, for this one here. C.J. Henderson, the uh, Jaguars' ninth overall draft pick in 2020. Three pass breakups, one interception, five tackles, All of those tackles were just man tackles where he was going one-on-one with the ball carrier and taking them down in in the open field. He allowed passer rating of 25.5 on the outside. He was nominated for the Rookie of the Week. Go vote for him at NFL.com slash rookies. What do you think about C.J. Henderson's first performance? You couldn't ask for any more. I mean, you saw exactly why the Jaguars drafted him as high as they did. And remember, there were other teams that were interested in him in that spot as well, mainly the Atlanta Falcons. And you can see why. At times during camp, you know, it looked a little bit iffy. Uh, you know, the word bust is already getting thrown around, which I thought was absolutely crazy uh, without, you know, giving him some time to actually show what he can do in a game. But like you said, he played absolutely out of his mind. He was locking wide receivers down, and and by no means was it an easy matchup. Uh, You know, your first game as a rookie having to go against a veteran like T.Y. Hilton, but he made plays when he needed to make plays, uh, mainly that big interception and that big pass breakup on fourth down to really seal the game uh, for the Jaguars. And his tackling was unbelievable. You know, he wasn't scared of contact. He wasn't shying away from the big hits. He was getting inside receivers, wrapping up, taking them down to the ground. Not a lot of missed tackles from him on the outside. I mean, from a rookie standpoint, you can't ask for more. He was efficient, played well, uh, you know, was all over receivers. Um, You know, I didn't look at the tape um, back all the way just yet, so I'm not sure if he really uh, had any missed tackles, but it didn't stand out to me. Everything that he did seemed uh, to be much more than I expected uh, from him week one. Yeah, he looks, he reminds me in terms of the, maybe on the practice field, you don't see that intensity as much. Reminds me of Gardner Minshew, where when they step on the game field, there's just a different energy, a different edge that those two guys bring to the game field. And uh, it, it really showed on Sunday from both of them. 
Now, who's your next guy you want to look at here? The next guy I wanted to look at, uh, and I looked at it a little bit in my week one takeaway, uh, was Clavon Chason. It seemed like he was flying around, making plays. It seemed like number 45 was all over the field. Uh, you know, every time a play was being made, he seemed to be right there. Um, you know, almost had his first career interception negated by uh, that DJ Hayden holding call. But again, these young players seem to be making plays, playing as a unit, which we talked about was going to be key. You know, not having guys, you know, going off you know, Rambo style and doing their own thing, playing consistently and cohesively as a unit was going to be important. I think we saw it across the board. Clavon Chason was flying around, was always near the ball, making plays. Uh, and that was really, really surprising to me. Yeah, you feel so bad for the kid getting his first interception and having it called back, especially in the second half. But hey, he had a heck of a performance and sticking on the defensive side of the ball, another guy who was just a revelation. Moving over from middle linebacker to the weak side, Miles Jack, 11 tackles, a sack of Jacoby Brissett. Uh, He was just a beast in his new role on the outside, roaming from sideline to sideline. You saw him in one-on-one coverage of Paris Campbell. Campbell is one of the fastest receivers in the NFL, couldn't get a step on Jack. And then you see Jack also being able to chase Jonathan Taylor, who's another freak athlete to the sideline and those are just plays that most linebackers are not going to be able to make miles jack clearly looks comfortable in his new role he did have one missed tackle early on but he made up for it the rest of the game and was you know maybe the best player on the defensive side of the ball absolutely man he looks so much more comfortable outside you know he's going to be an athletic guy who's going to be able to range uh from the hash to the sideline he's got incredible speed uh, to really make sure that Backs can't get outside of those tackles. I mean, I think that is just absolutely where he needs to be. You know, he doesn't necessarily need to be uh, a downhill guy, you know, trying to cut holes through the offensive line. That's not where his strength's going to be. You know, when we saw him get out of position a lot last year when he was doing that. So seeing him comfortable, you know, out there on the outside making plays, man, it was awesome, fantastic. I think that's where he needs to be uh, for the rest of his time here in Jacksonville. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, and it's just a shame they didn't have him out there his whole career up to this point. But uh, going back to the offensive side of the ball, we've got a few more guys to look at here. LaVisca Chenault, he really changed the game in so many ways. Three catches on four targets. He had a touchdown catch, which was huge, obviously. Uh, He also carried the ball a couple times, and his presence is what allowed DJ Chark to get open Uh, for the first touchdown of the game for the Jaguars. It allowed some other guys to find space. LaVisca Chenault, he showed that physicality. He showed great catchability. And he also showed the ability to manipulate defenders with his route running. So that's just something you love to see that he played so well. You love to see that Jay Gruden and the the offensive staff was able to uh, carve out a role for him so early on that just worked so seamlessly. Jay Gruden called one hell of a game. That cannot be understated. I have not seen a game called that precise and that well on the offensive side of the ball in a while. And I think a lot of it goes back to Gardner Minshew being able to protect the ball, really keeping that playbook open for Jay Gruden all game. And you saw, you know, the play action, how effective that was after you got the back going early. Um, and like you said, LaVisca Chenault, I mean, I love what I saw on Sunday, and that's just the breaking point for him. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think he's going to uh, you know, get so much better throughout the season. 
And he's going to do exactly what I thought that they were going to do with him, uh, you know, before the season kicked off. He's going to move around a lot. He's going to play in the slot. He's going to play outside. You saw him line up in the backfield and carry the ball a few times. He has that explosive running ability. And I think it's really going to keep defensive coordinators awake at night, you know, keep them on their toes. Where is this guy lining up? What are they trying to do with him? Are they getting him out in space? You know, are they getting him between the tackles? He can do it all. He's going to be one of those guys who is a perennial playmaker for this offense, one of those guys who, no matter where you get him the ball, you just want to get him the ball and let him go out there and make plays with his legs. Yeah, you mentioned Jay Gruden, and in my notes here, literally, my first note, called one hell of a game, just like you said. The Colts' defense was consistently unable to cover the Jaguars' receivers when the Jaguars dropped back to pass. And then when they um, struggled to contain James Robinson early on, uh, they started a loading of the box in the second half against Robinson and kind of started slowing down the Jaguars' run game. Gruden knew exactly what to do, knew exactly how to exploit them through the air after that happened. And it really was just a hell of a game, a hell of a call from Jay Gruden. You saw him scheming guys open. Um, The receivers were running good routes. Minshew was finding them, hitting them in stride. It was just, it it was perfect. It it was as close to perfect as you can get, especially for a team and a a franchise that has just been anemic on offense for so long. Seeing a professional game called on the offensive side of the ball was just really impressive, really great. And I mentioned James Robinson, uh, 90 total yards on 17 touches. He really got the offense going early on in the game. And then he also had one of the highlights of the week, not just for the Jaguars, but in the whole NFL in the fourth quarter, getting a big first down for the Jaguars on his lone catch of the day, hurtling two Colts defenders on his way to that first down. What, what a performance from a guy who talked about his three best traits last week which was one of the only things we could really get out of him in the media session. He talked about his vision, which everyone has kind of commented on. He talked about his burst through the hole, and he talked about his ability to make the first defender miss. All three of those traits were on display on Sunday. Absolutely. And like you said, it opened up so much more for the offense. Coming right out of halftime, the play action was, was extremely effective in getting the Colts defense off balance and out of position. And again, I want to reiterate, you know, the offense wasn't putting up crazy numbers. If, if I remember correctly, they were under 300 total yards of offense for the game, but they took what was given to them. Smart decisions, good play calling, never forcing anything, finding the open man when there's a mistake by the Colts defense in, uh, in that uh, Keelan Cole touchdown from Gardner Minshew where you know, he was just left wide open. The Colts did not cover, uh, you know, the, the sideline quarter of the field over there on the right side going in. And you take what's given to you. When, when you can call plays that gets the defense out of position, you take the shots where they where they come. And, and that's exactly what they did. And James Robinson absolutely put the league on notice. You know, it, it shows you exactly what the front office and the coaching staff, you know, had seen all camp they'd been talking about. And they really put my words back into my mouth. I did not think uh, that, you know, anybody in that, that backfield room would be able to kind of make up for what we lost in Leonard Fournette. But James Robinson was very, very impressive on Sunday. 
Yeah, he certainly was. And you mentioned Keelan Cole. He caught all five of his targets, helped the Jaguars move the ball with consistency throughout the game. And then, like you mentioned, caught that game-winning score to put the Jaguars up uh, and give them a lead that they would not relinquish in the fourth quarter. He just played very well and kind of like the rest of the offense you were mentioning. He took what was there. I mean, he really didn't have to do much besides just run his route on that final touchdown. Uh, I think I could have scored that touchdown based on the way Jay Gruden was calling up and dialing up those plays. So that was really impressive. But Keelan Cole, he's a guy that you know his physical ability. You're worried about his consistency at times, and he kind of put those uh, questions to bed regarding consistency in this one. Absolutely. And, you know, when you have four or five guys – that you're forcing the defense to look at, it's going to create opportunities for other players. I mean, obviously, everyone knows what DJ Chark did last year with his breakout season. So coming into the game, I'm sure the Colts defense had their eyes all over him, you know. And then when you have guys like James Robinson coming out making plays, LaVisca Chenault coming out making plays, well, then the defense has to account for those guys too. And the next thing you know, Keelan Cole is wide open, uh, you know, for a touchdown. So those are the things that you have to do to be a dynamic offense. You have to get guys involved, get guys making plays, force the defense to look all over the place. You know, you know, we're not one dimensional anymore. We don't have nine guys watching Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, every single play. We're going to have to start spreading people out and the defenses are going to have to respect everybody on the field. And once you get that going, you're going to start seeing contributions from other guys. Once defenses start keying in on other guys, you're going to be able to spread the ball around and have other guys make plays. And that's going to be key going forward. Again, you know, obviously the room for improvement. I would like to have seen, uh, you know, some better run blocking at times from the offensive line. Obviously they gave up four sacks. You know, some of that could have been on Minshew holding the ball a little too long, but you know what? If he holds the ball a little too long, takes one or two sacks a game, I'm okay with that You know, in comparison to him forcing a ball down the field, maybe turning the ball over. We can always punt, reset the field, and hold the Colts' offense, and that's what they did. You know, There was nothing that was ever forced, You know, and, and no turnovers were forced. I mean, when you look at that in the grand scheme of things, it, it really is going to help your offense down the stretch. Yeah, there's no question about it. And when you have a weapon like Logan Cook and the speedy guys covering the punts, uh, you really can flip the field pretty much no matter where you're at on the field. Now, a couple more guys, actually, final guy who was really uh, really just a big impact guy throughout the whole game, in my opinion, uh, Josh Jones. You love what you saw from him at safety in terms of run defense. He's not a guy that's out there to cover the pass too much, but he didn't give up any big plays in pass coverage. And in run defense, He was all over the place with nine tackles. You really like to see that from him. And he's a guy that just knows how to play strong safety, it appears, and knows how to make the plays that are there in front of him and and get ball carriers to the ground. So that is awesome to see. And then uh, interior offensive line, we talked about them a little bit. They were going up against a Forrest Buckner. I think what you saw from them was really impressive in terms of Norwell and Linder especially. They were finishing blocks, driving linemen and linebackers into the dirt, something you haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I mean, like you said, first we'll talk about uh, you know the safety over there, Josh Jones. He did exactly what we could expect from Ronnie Harrison without the dumb penalties, getting out of position, making boneheaded plays. So just right there, huge improvement. You know, the stat line shows you exactly how effective he was. And it's great to see, you know, again, as a unit, if you don't have guys out of position, making 
dumb plays, not paying attention, or causing penalties, you know, you're going to have a chance to win every single football game. And now, you know, the Colts obviously had a ton of yards on offense. You know, you can't deny that. A lot of it came towards the end of the game when they were trying to play catch up, uh, you know, but they didn't punt once, you know. So when the defense had to make plays, they made the plays. They had to make to force the offense off the field. Um, you know, and then again, you mentioned the interior of the offensive line. I think they played uh, pretty well, uh, better than what I would have expected from guys, like you said, DeForest Buckner inside, who can be game changers, you know, who can really wreck the pocket, wreck, you know, the inside blocking, um, you know, and all that kind of good stuff. So all around, you know, I, I, there's nothing I can look at and say, you know, the Jaguars really stunk in this one. Uh, all around positionally, you know, as a unit offensively and defensively, you know, obviously you'd like to see some things improved, but they did what they had to do to win the game. And that's the bottom line, right? In this league, wins and losses are the bottom line. If you're winning games, you're going to put yourself in a good position. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned the Colts. They didn't punt the ball. They were super aggressive going forward on fourth down and the Jaguars usually made them pay. One of those plays where they made them pay for that was Avery Jones very early on in the first quarter when the Colts were really dominating the game at that point, it looked like. Avery Jones comes up with a huge run stuff on fourth down, gives the Jaguars the ball, and uh, prevents the Colts from going up 14-0. So hats off to Jones for that play. Another individual uh, play that was from a guy who wasn't in the game all that much on defense, Andrew Wingard. He came in in the fourth quarter when Jared Wilson got injured, made one of the plays of the game, picking off Phillip Rivers and uh, kind of giving the Jaguars an opportunity to uh, to move forward and, and move towards a win there. I call it a classic Ben don't break defense. And I usually don't like that term because I think, you know, it's just kind of a scapegoat for teams to say, well, you know, we kind of made the plays when we needed to. But that's what it was. You know, they were bending. They weren't breaking. That fourth down stop was huge. And I think that really, you know, turned the whole tide of the game. Because if you go down 14 nothing that quickly – and, you know, the Colts are just carving right through your defense, that's when you see the playbook start to shrink. You've got to make up 14 points quickly. And that's when, you know, you get into bad decisions, bad situations where you might force the ball to a guy trying to make a play and turn it over. So I think that fourth down stop was key in turning the game right back around uh, and, you know, was key in the Jaguars' victory. I think that's a, a, a play in the game that you point to and say that right there is where things turned around. That right there is where the Jaguars were able to, you know, gain a little bit of control back and really push it back towards the Colts. Yeah, no doubt about it on that one. Final note here from the standout performers. Todd Walsh gets a lot of flack, but he called a heck of a game in my opinion, especially down the stretch. And the uh, C.J. Henderson interception, Frank Reich said after the game, that was a cover two look that, the Colts simply had not seen on tape from the Jaguars. So Todd Wash was getting in some some um, new concepts, some new defenses, new coverages, tricking Frank Reich and the Colts. So you like to see that from Todd Wash. Now, before we get into injuries, which there aren't too many, thankfully, make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter, at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, and Generation Jaguar, at Generation Jag on Twitter. Now, for injuries, Jared Wilson did leave the game. That's when Andrew Wingard came in and got that interception. He uh, has a hamstring, and he will be on IR for a minimum of three weeks, according to the NFL's new uh, injured reserve policy for 2020. So he could return, you know, 
in a month or so. Not sure the severity of that at this point. The Jaguars did promote Sidney Jones to the active roster, who they picked up a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's a cornerback. I don't think that the Jaguars are going to deploy him at free safety, but maybe just getting some more bodies into that secondary room. Yeah, and we talked about this, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago when when we had news of them potentially uh, bringing Sidney Jones onto the practice squad. I thought he was good enough to make the fifty-three man roster, and I don't think it was too much of a tough decision to go ahead and let Jared Wilson uh, heal up on IR for a couple weeks because I kind of disagree with you there. I think he gives you the versatility to put him back there at free safety if you need to. Um, he adds more of a coverage dynamic back there that you might need, but. We saw Winger make a big play. So, you know, they're going to have confidence with him as well going forward. But it just gives you an extra man, like you said, to throw into rotation. Um, and then at times where, you know, a corner has to leave the field, um, we saw that a little bit with Trey Herndon as well during the game. Um, you know, there were some younger guys that had to make some plays uh, down the stretch. But that's going to allow you, you know, a little bit more versatility in the rotation. And also a guy with a little bit more experience, you know, in case you have an outside guy go out because we saw DJ Hayden have to go outside. And while he didn't really, you know, bust anything in coverage or anything like that, he is primarily going to be an inside guy. So it adds some more experience uh, to the rotation and gives you some more flexibility in my opinion. Yeah. And speaking of those young guys, we have not brought up Chris Claybrooks. He deserves a lot of uh, credit and a big pat on the back for you know, he's not a guy when the Jaguars draft him that you're expecting him to have to come in in week one and play cornerback. But that's exactly what he did. He didn't make any pass breakups, but he was very sticky in coverage. And every time he was targeted, he was able to make the tackle pretty much immediately. So that was really good on him. Yeah, but maybe Sidney Jones could play some free safety, like you said. Maybe the fact that um, he can play outside cornerback just gives you the ability to not have to put DJ Hayden out there because you want DJ Hayden in the nickel where he's a game changer. Uh, So yeah, I think that is a good thought there. Other than that, I mean, Josh Allen left uh, the game a little bit for with leg cramping. Doesn't appear that he should miss any time at this point. It seems like everyone is going to be good to go. We will get our first injury report of the week tomorrow. So we'll be able to share more of that information on the website. Uh, jenjag.com where we'll have all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. You can also check our Twitter. We will be sharing all the injury updates as they come in. And again, jenjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news analysis and fresh Duval gear. We've got fun stuff coming out almost every week at this point. Uh, So looking into our last segment, the Jaguars did win. It was an awesome win you got to be very proud of it if you're a Jaguar fan. But there are some areas they can improve, and we want to look at those. So I'll start here. Uh, The pass rush, which is an area I thought they could be pretty effective with Josh Allen, with Caleb on Chason, Dewan Smoot, some of those other guys. They only pressured Phillip Rivers on 20% of his dropbacks and got just one sack on the day. That's really not enough to get it done on a weekly basis. They're going to need to get more pressure. They were playing against one of the best offensive lines in football, but they've got to get better moving forward. I think pass rush is one of the uh, you know most important things that they need to focus on. Like you said, there wasn't a lot of pressure when Phillip Rivers was dropping back. He had a clean pocket a lot of the time. So that's something that you're going to have to improve on because, you know, 
to be honest, Philip Rivers made some very questionable decisions in the game, throwing a couple of bad balls that were intercepted. So, you know, you can't always count on those mistakes, especially if you're not putting pressure on a guy. So you're going to have to put some pressure on a guy, go out there, get him, force him to make those bad decisions, force him to make those mistakes, and not give him a lot of time. I think people are going to be too quick to kind of dismiss it, but I think that conditioning was definitely a factor. You saw a lot of guys obviously you know, go out with cramps, as we saw with Josh Allen. Uh, and having a guy like Josh Allen off the field – you know, that's that's huge. He is your primary pass rushing, you know, outside linebacker slash defensive end hybrid type, you know, whatever you want to call him. He can play both, but he is going to be your primary pass guy. You know, he's going to be the guy that's going to pin his ears back and go after the quarterback. So you're going to need these guys to be in game shape and to be able on the field uh, when you need the most. And I think also you need to get a little bit more push on the interior of the line, especially in pass situations. Now, I will say, I was very impressed with what I saw from uh, Devon Hamilton when he was in there. Um, I did see him split some guys and make some plays at the middle. Um, and Tim Jernigan as well. Uh, I watched him walk the right guard right back into Philip Rivers' lap one play. So it's there. I can see it. It just needs to be more consistent. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. There were definitely flashes. They did get eight pressures, but it's not enough when you've got a guy dropping back 47 times. And uh, also on the defensive side of the ball, to start the game, I thought tackling was a little shaky. But overall, it wasn't a major issue with five missed tackles on the game. Um, It really got cleaned up, in my opinion, as the game went on. And maybe that's just one of those things where these guys haven't played a live snap And so you go out the first couple drives and you're not really ready to make those tackles like you would be if maybe you got some preseason reps. I'm hoping that's the case. Uh, I really do because, like you said, tackling you know was a little bit of an issue early on, especially in the backfield. Um, And we saw from Joe Schobert, a guy who I thought would be a huge impact player um, on this defense. I still think he will, um, but we saw a couple times, you know, guys getting in the backfield and not wrapping up or, you know, kind of getting out of position and trying to make arm tackles. And, you know, it didn't work. Uh, and especially next week when you uh, go to Nashville and you see a guy like Derrick Henry, he's going to run right through those arm tackles. He's going to push you off if you're out of position and Derrick Henry is going to make the most out of his second chances. If you give him second chances out of the backfield, he's going to make you pay. So it's going to be even more key next week to make sure that if you get a guy wrapped up in the backfield, that you can either bring him down with good technique or you can hold him and hopefully get a group of guys swarming to the ball and making those plays for losses. Yeah, and um, you're right about Derrick Henry on that 100%. Now looking at the kick coverage, they only had three kicks returned, but they allowed 30 yards per return, including a 41-yarder. You like to see that get cleaned up a little bit. None of the... um, None of the returns, you know, went too far, but they were a couple of them were close. So that's a little bit of an issue. I think the penalties got cleaned up a lot, but there were a couple untimely ones. You talk about Chason's interception getting called back. So uh, that was unfortunate. But I think overall the team was a lot more disciplined. Um, and it was just such an encouraging start. Yeah, definitely. And you're right. Penalties were a key issue with this team last year, shooting themselves in the foot at the wrong time, very untimely, you know, moving themselves behind the sticks. And we saw that a little bit early on, uh, but as the game progressed, you know, it looked a lot better to me. Um, Obviously, like you said, you know, the key is going to be not negating big plays with penalties. 
that chase on interception uh, was negated by the DJ Hayden holding. And then Brandon Linder early on uh, had a face mask call that negated a pretty decent run, I believe it was. Um, And, you know, after looking at that play again, I didn't necessarily like the call as much, but I can understand it as an offensive lineman. You know, if you get your hands outside of the shoulder pads, if you get your hands outside of the frame of that defensive lineman, you're going to get a holding call. If you get your hands high, up into the face and you alter that helmet, you're going to get the face mask or the hands of the face. So got to be smarter with hand positioning and make sure that you're not negating big plays with stupid penalties. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we got to get out of here. That's going to do it for the show today. Thanks again to listening for listening to the show. Thanks to Bold City Brewery for sponsoring the show. Uh, enjoy the victory and look out for our next episode that will come out later this week. We'll break down the Jaguars week two matchup with Tennessee Um, and that's obviously going to be a divisional matchup that will determine who is in first place in the AFC South after week two. Thanks for listening, Duval. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.